Got one more, all right. If I were to tell you that black is white and that green is blue and that north is south and that east is west, how many of you are buying that this morning? All right, not anybody. Oh, we got one over here. We got one over here, all right. <laughs> we got one. If I were to tell you a little is a lot, or in the words of the amazing song, little is much, how many of you are buying that this morning? All right, we got a few more, few more hands there this morning. We're going to go on a little bit of a journey today, exploring some things that don't make sense. <laughs> Right, all, those, all those other things most of you are really skeptical about, and, and a little is a lot, a, a little as much is, is along the same lines, right? There's, there's something different about it, something outside the realm of, of normal human logic. Little is much. Well, let's start with, with an illustration, all right? The illustration here. How big is a common snowflake? Hold up your fingers and, and, and just look in between your fingers. How much do when you picture a, a snowflake, you know, how big do you, do you picture it as, right? And that, if I were to tell you that that little thing could turn our North Idaho area into a winter wonderland with tons and tons and tons of snow to go out and snowmobile and ski and, and snowshoe in, how many of you would believe that, right? A little becomes a lot. And, and we understand that, the snowflakes, you know, join together, but, but it, it's still kind of mind-boggling how, how one little tiny snowflake that you can't even feel the weight of really when it lands on you. You feel the coldness of it, right, or, or as it melts on you, but, but the weight of it is, is so light you don't even really feel it, can, can weigh so incredibly much that, that we can turn it into snowballs and have snowball fights, right? Now, I love the fall weather we're having, don't get me wrong, but I can't wait for ski season to start as well. So... <laughs> So, so we're getting a little advanced, advanced illustration here, heading into, into winter and all the fun that the snow brings to us here, right? A little becomes a lot. Little becomes much when it joins together in the right way with the right connections. Are you with me this morning? Let's go to our Bibles. Let's go to our Bibles here. Little is much. Luke chapter 16 Jesus is, is telling some parables. He's telling some stories here. Luke chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter 17 and verse 5. Luke chapter 17 and verse 5. Jesus said, the apostles say to Jesus, verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Any of you prayed that prayer before? Increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. It would obey you. Now, now the context is important here, right? The context to this, this story is important. Why did the disciples ask the Lord increase our faith? Well, if you back up just, just a verse, Jesus, or two verses, Jesus says, take heed of yourselves in verse 3. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Is that hard? If someone does something to you, is it hard to rebuke them? That's kind of the easy reaction, right? Well, if you're close enough, right? If, if your husband or wife or if your brother or sister does something you don't like, what's your first response? 
I'm going to be honest. <laughs> we obey Jesus' command, right? It's in the scriptures. Jesus says to do it right here. That's what we do. We rebuke them, right? <laughs> you sinned against me, I'm going to rebuke you. That's really easy when it comes, you know, that, that closer relationship. It gets a little harder. We're a little more afraid the further the person gets from us, generally speaking, right? If, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, uh-oh, this, this part gets harder. Forgive, right? Forgive. One, one time, that's, that's okay. First time, I'll forgive you, right? But if you do it again and again and again, it would be stupid of me to just keep forgiving you and letting things go, right? And Jesus goes on, he says, and if he sins against you seven times in one day, seven times in one day and returns to you saying, I repent, you shall do what? You shall forgive. And the disciples' automatic response is, Lord, increase our faith. Are you with the disciples here? <laughs> Are you with them? I, I don't have that kind of faith, right? I'm, I'm not there yet. You sin against me seven times in one day, it's, it's taking more than one day to forgive you for those seven times, right? I want to see some proof that you're sorry. I want to see some proof you're not going to do it again. I'm not just going to jump in and, and forgive you. Jesus says to the apostles, they're like, Lord, that's, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. We don't have that kind of faith. So, so Lord, strengthen, increase our faith. Jesus' response is, if you have faith as a what? As a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the seed. Any of you have mulberry trees on your property? Any of you have bushes and trees you'd like to get rid of really easily? When, when you want to get rid of them, what do you do? What do you do if you want to get rid of unwanted trees or bushes or stuff on your property? Chainsaw? All right, anybody pull out the chainsaw? Clippers, if it's small enough, get out the clippers. If they're even smaller than that, you may get out the weed eater, you know, get a blade on the weed eater and cut through it that way, or smaller ones, take out the weed eater. How many of you go out there and say, tree, I command you, move? <laughs> no one? <laughs> not, not one of us here has this kind of faith? Well, what, what's the next logical thing we do? Okay, so we don't have that much faith, so what do we need to do? Jesus says, if you got faith like a mustard seed, and where do we immediately jump? So all week long, this is what I was doing in the sermon as, as I was working through this. Faith like a mustard seed. Okay, well, a mustard bush, as it grows, can get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? They can actually expand, some, some say, up to like 30 feet, and six, 30 feet wide, 6 feet tall. So then automatically, we start thinking, okay, mustard seed, plant the seed of faith, and then exercise that faith, and it'll get stronger and grow, Right? And exercise it some more, and it'll grow some more. And exercise if, if I exercise my faith enough, I'll get strong enough to where I can cast that mulberry tree out of my yard without having to get out the chainsaw, right? And that, is that what Jesus is saying here? Well, let's, let's jump over to another place where Jesus says the same thing. He talks about the, the mulberry tree. Or not the mulberry tree. He talks about the, the mustard seed again. Matthew chapter 17. Jesus is telling the story here. We actually covered this a week or two ago where, where they're up on the mountain with Jesus, right? And they come down and there's this father who's brought his demon-possessed son and, and the son is cast into the fire and, and the disciples have tried to cast out the demon and they can't do it. And so we, we come down to the end of the story. The disciples come to Jesus after he casts out the demon and they say to him privately in Matthew 17, verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? 
They've been out casting out other demons. Now they're here and they can't cast out this one. And Jesus says to them, so Jesus answers in verse 20, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a, mount, uh, as a mustard seed, you will say to this what now? This mountain. <laughs> you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. All right, so tree's one thing, mountain's another. You're driving to Seattle, right? Winter, you forget your chains, and, and you're headed to Snoqualmie Pass, and, and it's a, a chain-up zone, at the, you know, so much snow and ice on the road, and, and so you pull over, you realize you forgot your chains, and so you get out of your car and say, hey, Snoqualmie, move, right? That's what you do, and it moves. It jumps out into the sea, and you drive on flat land right into Seattle where you wanted to go, right? Is that, is that the way it works? No, I'm being a, a little facetious here to, to kind of to illustrate a point. Jesus is obviously referring to, to facing challenges and difficulties in our lives, but, but the same thing, same logic in, in our minds generally holds true. We, we say, okay, if, if I had faith like a mustard seed, starting small, then I, I exercise that faith, and God comes through, and it grows, and then I exercise it some more, and it grows some more, and someday down the line, I'll get strong enough that no matter what challenge or trial comes my way, my faith will be strong enough to overcome it. Anybody think that way when reading these passages? Am I the only one? <laughs> I'm the only one who thought that way with this passage? Not one of you thought that way. Well, I may as well sit down then. Okay, we got one more. I'll preach to you, brother. <laughs> Everybody else already has this one figured out. And all of a sudden it hit me. Over and over, Jesus uses this same thing. Multiple times in the New Testament, Jesus uses the symbol of a mustard seed. And he never comes along and turns it into a mustard bush or a mustard tree for us, right? If your faith grows enough to become a strong tree, then you'll be able to do these amazing, mighty works. That's what the disciples thought. That's what the disciples thought. They thought this faith thing was, was kind of a, a magic spell, if, if you had faith, you could do a certain amount of supernatural miracles, right? They'd gone out and done some of those. And, and now they're like, okay, Lord, we couldn't do this, so what do we want you to do? Where is their solution? Lord, increase what? Our faith. Their solution is in strengthening and growing their faith. So at least I can take comfort that the disciples think like I think. The rest of you may be more advanced, but that's where I was at, all right? Disciples come to Jesus, they say, Lord, this is, this is like a, a magic thing. I need to, need to become more proficient, more skilled in magic so that I can cast out these demons supernaturally. Increase my faith, strengthen and grow it to where I can do these works that you're asking or giving me the opportunity to do. But all of a sudden, it clicked. It clicked. Jesus isn't really focused on the faith here. He's not really focused on the size of our faith. He's focused on who our faith is in. Who's at the other end of that line? Because all it takes is a mustard-sized piece of faith to, to, to connect you with the God of all the universe. And the God of all the universe can move mountains. And he doesn't need to change. He doesn't need to grow. He doesn't need to strengthen to be able to do that. If you are connected to him, he's the one doing the work, not you. 
He's the one casting out the demons, not the disciples. He's the one moving the tree or the mountain or whatever difficulty it is in your life. God is the one doing the supernatural work. Are you with me this morning, church? Not us. It's not about our faith or the size of our faith or the strength of our faith or how big it is. It's, it's about the God on the other end of that faith. It's about trusting him to step in and intervene, to step in and be a part. Now, I've got some biblical proof on this, right? It, it's not just a, a, a connection that clicked. There's some biblical proof. If, if you were here with us from Pacific U, you, you may have, have uh, heard Pauline say something really interesting. He referenced when the New Testament authors quote the Old Testament, they don't generally quote it word for word, right? For those of you who weren't here, I'll fill you in. They don't quote it word for word as a proof text like we would today. They, they will paraphrase and they will allude back to something in the Old Testament, and they want you to go back and they want you to get the bigger picture, the, the, the fuller story, to understand the impact of what they're referring to. So when Jesus says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you will be able to move a mountain, what does he mean? Well, there are several places in the Old Testament where God talks about moving mountains. And those give us an insight to what he's referring to here. Let's go back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 4. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 4. It says here, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When the mountains are brought low, when they're taken and cast into the sea, when they're brought down, what is Jesus referring here to? The, the context is the proclamation of the glory of the Lord showing up. Not about our faith, not about our works, not about how great things we can do if we grow our faith strong enough. It's about God's going to show up. It's the glory of the Lord that's going to be in this place. God is going to move. And of course, John the Baptist applies this. He applies this to John the Baptist. And in his preaching, he says, I have come to smooth out the road for the Lord, right? To, to bring up the low places and to, to level out the high places so that when the Lord comes, you can see his glory. You can walk on the path with him. You can get close to our God. When the mountain is brought down, the glory of the Lord shows up. Jesus, saying is, Jesus is saying, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, just a speck, even smaller than a snowflake, you will be connected to the God of all the universe, and his glory is going to show up in your life. His glory is going to sh show up in your situation. His glory will be present in making changes and differences in what you're dealing with. All of a sudden, it starts getting exciting, right? And then, then we turn over here to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. And, and he's going, going on here. Oh, let me get it. I forgot the verse on here. Isaiah 54, 9 and 10. For this is like the waters of Noah to me, God says, for I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth. So have I sworn. So we're talking judgment language here. God's saying, I'm not going to bring back the, the waters of, of the flood to judge the earth or to sweep things away. But then he comes along. He says, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with, with you nor rebuke you. Notice verse 10 now. This is where it gets good. 
For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness will not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. When God starts talking about the mountains being moved and the hills being moved, what is the promise he's pointing us to? What is the the deeper context he's referring us back to? When you're facing those troubles and those difficulties and those challenges in life, when you need something to change, when you need something to move, you need something big to happen, God says, here's what I want you to know. The mountains will move if you keep your eyes on me. If you keep your eyes on me, if you remember this promise, though everything around you is changing, though the mountains are being moved, the hills being departed, my covenant of peace with you will not change. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter how difficult the challenges you're facing, no matter how bad it is, God says, I've got a covenant of peace with you that I will not change. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I will be there with you. You don't need to grow your faith bigger, stronger. You don't need to grow that mustard seed into a a tree or a 30-foot bush. You need to, to think about the God that's on the other end of the faith, the God of the universe that is there that says, my covenant will not depart from you and me. That's what will get you through. That's what's going to change your situation, God says. I think that's kind of exciting. I think that's kind of amazing. Because rather than the difficulties in life being my own fault, which I'll be honest, they are sometimes, <laughs> right? I mean, if we're honest, sometimes we get ourselves into our own difficulties. Other times they're not our fault. Other times, you know, we're in the middle of, the, of a war here. The devil's attacking and, and we're in difficulties because, well, we, we live on planet Earth. God says, stop focusing on yourself. Stop worrying about your lack of faith. And see the God on the other end of the line. Trust in him. Trust his covenant of peace that he has made with you. God is not going to war with you, he says. So often, especially when we make a mess out of our own lives, we think God's going to war with us. And God's God's coming down to punish to get us, right? He says, no, 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 no. Look here. My covenant of what? Peace. My covenant of peace will not depart from you. See, the cool thing here is we're the only ones who can declare war in that relationship with God. God says, I've got a covenant of peace with you that I have declared, and that's the way it's going to remain. That's the way it's going to stay. If we want to fight with God, that's all on us, right? God doesn't come to attack us. He has made a covenant of peace that he has given to us. And he wants us to keep that in mind when the difficulties and trials of life come our way. When when we find ourselves failing and falling short, he says, remember the God on the other end of the line. The God on the other end of our faith. Because that's really all it's, it's about. It's about who? It's not about us. We're in the middle of of a series called Vertical, a series called Vertical, and God always starts us there. He wants us to look up first, right? He has us look up, and then he has us look out, up and then out. How much time do we spend focused on looking at ourselves instead of up and out? 
and we get all caught up in our brokenness and our weakness and our failures, and we spend our time focused on where we fall short instead of looking to his power and then looking to see how we can share the good news of that power with those who need to hear about it around us. God says, here's the two commandments that I've got for you. Look up and then look out. Love God and then love your fellow human beings. Don't get caught up on the strength or the weakness of your faith because that's not what it's about. It's about the God who is there to establish a covenant of peace. It's about the God who is there to move in your life. It's about the God, no matter how long it takes and how impatient we get, who says, if you will wait on me, I will move in your life. I will make a change and make a difference. We're praying through this, this series of vertical in, in conjunction with our whole conference. And sometimes as, as we look at the church and as we look at the world, well, we can get discouraged, right? We, we can tend to get discouraged and we wonder, is, is our faith big enough to have God move like he did back in the days of Scripture? Is our faith big enough to, to get us through the, the experiences we're living in? As, as we see the, the conflicts in the world, as we see the trials and troubles, so often I hear, you know, are, are, are we, are we going to talk about how to get through the last days of earth's history? Friends, we're talking about it right now. This is what it's about. It's about looking to God and not ourselves. No amount of self-help is going to get you through the last days. It's God help. It's the only thing that will get us through. A little is lot. A little is much. As we look at the state of our church, of our conference, of the global church and the, and the world, there is only one hope. And that is that there is a big God on the other end of the line who can step in and act, who can step in and, and, and partner his goodness and greatness with our weakness and smallness. I want to pause just a moment this morning. Today, out at, out at Myvedon, there's, there's a whole group of, of uh, delegates from all over our conference that's meeting together, that's praying together, that is seeking God's vision, God's will for our conference, seeking for God to, to give us a vision, to move among us, to show us where we need to go. I want us to join in prayer together right now for them and for us that we will truly see God's vision, that we will truly lay hold of him. And we're going to take some time. We're going to do things a little different in the sermon today. I want you just to take some time in, in small groups. Just, just turn to the person next to you. Kids, I want you to do this too. And, and I want you to pray for, for two things. Pray for each other and pray for those meeting trying to see God's will for our conference. Ask God to move and help them to see a clearer picture of him so that we can share that picture with those around us in our conference. Will you do that for me right now? Just take a few minutes, turn, turn to the person next to you, or if you've got kids, make sure they're included. We want our kids to be praying because after all, their prayers, as little as they are, are amazingly powerful. So let's take just a few minutes, turn together, and let's pray.
It's amazing to stop and think. In that moment, you and I, small specks of dust, on this globally speaking, or not globally, uh, universally speaking, this, this speck of dust in the vastness of the universe, just connected with Almighty God. And that God moves and responds in response to us connecting with him. You know, this is, this is the way, and as we look at it, the, the theme of this week is, as we're praying together as a, a conference is, is us moving and, and, and sharing on behalf of God. And, and that's kind of humbling. And, and when you stop and think about it, I mean, you and I trying to share God with others around us. I mean, we can't even hardly comprehend God and, and his vastness and, and his omniscience, everything about him, right? I mean, we try to explain him, but, but we can't even scratch the surface, and yet he is, has asked us to share him. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, little, little is much. And, and so often we, we overcomplicate this thing called sharing God. I mean, there, there are sermons that are historical dissertations in the Bible, right? You, you can look at Stephen's sermon when he comes and he preaches his sermon before he's stoned, right? And, and there's a historical dissertation that traces down the whole history of Israel and all the way along and weaving in it all the main points that he's going to get to. And you're like, man, I, that's complicated, <laughs> Right? That's a how am I supposed to do that and share my faith? And, the, and there are other places, right? There, there are, are these complicated chiasms that are so beautifully woven together and, and these amazing prophecies and everything, you know, ties together. And so, but man, to stop and think about trying to share that with someone, how does that all work? And, and there is a place and a time. I mean, obviously those are in the Bible for, for a reason. But, but I'd propose to you that, that most of the time God doesn't have his people witnessing that way. Most of the time, he takes something little and he uses it to illustrate who God is. Five little loaves in a kid's lunch basket, right? And Jesus says, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use these, these five little barley cakes to illustrate the providence of God. It's not a historical sketch of the whole Bible that you got to go through and tell someone. No, no, it's a, it's a piece of bread that God uses to share his goodness and his love with those around. I mean, can, can you give someone something like that? Yeah, you, know, you, can, you can do something like that. Or, or what about, I mean, what about the demoniac? <laughs> God, God casts the demoniac, casts the demons out of him, Right? And, and he wants to go with Jesus. I want to go to seminary, he says. I want to learn. I want to, I want to get all these teachings so that I can then, you know, after I followed you and learned all these things, I can go teach and preach. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Go back and start right now. And here's all I want you to say. Just go tell them what God has done for you. How easy is that? It's not difficult. It's not long. It's not drawn out. It's not complicated. It's man. I saw the most amazing sunset tonight, and it just spoke to me of, of the artistic magnitude of our God. Well, tell someone else that. If you have a hard time talking face-to-face, -face, post it on Facebook and say, man, look at, look at the artwork of God. You know, whatever you can do, wherever you're comfortable, it can be that small. And all of a sudden, it begins, if you start thinking through the Bible over and over and over, God uses what is small instead of what is big. In fact, when things are too big, God has to trim it down to size, right? Gideon has a full army. Well, 
still not anywhere close to his enemies. But God says, that's too big. That's too many, right? Got to trim it down. So he trims it down some. And God says, no, that's still too big. I got to trim it down more until he gets down to, down to 300 men. God says, I want you to understand you can, you can do this simply and easily. You know, God, as big and as complex as he is, shows himself and reveals himself to us in the tiniest, simplest ways to connect with us so that we can understand. He wants to reveal his love to us and through us. And so we, we go through story after story after story. And I mean, you, you, can, you can look at the story of Elijah and all of a sudden, wow, you know, I can stand before a king and say it's not going to rain for three years. That's, that's a pretty big deal. But what about the rest of the story? Right, the rest of the story is a raven drops off some food for him by a stream. Well, that's kind of a cool story. You know, that, something like that happens. Animals and human connection. I mean, is there, a, is there a link there that may possibly connect with people? Is there possibly a link there that would cause millions of people around the world to click on cat videos and dog videos and horse videos and stuff on, online, right? Spend countless hours. That connection between nature and humanity. God says, hey, I'm going to use this story to illustrate my love for you. Here comes a raven dropping off food for Elijah. And then we move on a little bit down the story. And, and all of a sudden, we come along, and, and he's fleeing for his life. And, and there's a widow who has a son, right? Doesn't go to someone who's got a lot to provide, someone who's got a little. She's on her last little bit of flour and last few drops of oil. And God says, use that little. And then he does a miracle with the little to provide for them for three years. God, all through scripture, story after story after story, we could go over, God uses a little to do a lot. He uses the small stories in our lives, those small moments, those small things that are meaningful to us, and he says, use those to share the love of God with those around you. See in these small stories, in these little things, my character revealed to you, my love revealed to you, and then take and just simply tell the story to someone else of what I have done for you. And then Jesus walks on this earth, and after he leaves, his disciples come and they give these complex theological dissertations and write these three and 400 page books, right? Nope. <laughs> they walk around and they say, guess what we're going to tell you? What we have seen and what we have heard. We're just going to tell you our experience walking with Jesus Christ. Walking with Jesus Christ. That's what witness is. God takes a little and he makes it a lot. He takes a snowflake and he turns it into Schweitzer, right? God takes our little, the, the nothingness that, that we are, and he, he connects it with himself and he makes it of supernatural consequence in the overall scheme of things. And he says, you get to partner with me. If you will have a speck of faith as small as a mustard seed that just sees through and, and says, you know what? There is a God, and that God is amazing and wonderful, and he's going to do awesome things. That's all it takes, and God will move mountains in your life. And then the cool thing, this, this is, this is uh, where it gets exciting for even more exciting. This, this, this whole, whole thing as we unpack this is, is awesome, but, but when it comes, this is, this is how God works from beginning to end. So, so you get down to the, the signs of the second coming, right? And we would think something amazing and complex and, and, and crazy and huge, right? And, and so we automatically jump when he starts talking about wars and rumors of wars and all these signs and troubles and, and, and perilous things going on. And we jump to those and we say that these are the signs of the end, right? Jesus says, no, 
No, no, no, read carefully what I said. All these things are going to be happening in this world because this world is the war zone that Satan's involved in. Right? I want you to understand that these things are going on because there is an enemy, but these are not the sign that the end has come. Maybe it's the complex prophecies, right? Maybe it's the, it's the complex time prophecies. And if you get it just right, a friend of ours just, just uh, shared with us that well, Jesus was supposed to come in this September. <laughs> well, we're in October now. But, but complex, you know, oh, in Revelation, if you look at this seal and if you look at that trumpet and if you put these, these complex deals together, hey, he's coming here in September. And had pastors, you know, teaching this and, and putting it all together for them. And, and they were all excited. And it's, it's going to happen. No, no, that's not, that's not what God says. It's not something big. It's not something complex. Jesus says, here it is. This gospel, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. And then the end will come. This gospel, this good news that there is a God who loves you on the other end of the line, a God who has declared peace with you, a God who wants to be engaged and involved in your life, a God who alone can save you, this gospel going to the entire world, then the end comes. It's as simple as that, friends. That's all there is to it. The story of Elijah is amazing because he's there on the mountaintop at the end of everything and right, all these little miracles along the way and he's there on the mountaintop and he's praying and he's asking God to, to make it rain, right? God, God honored his sacrifice and fire came down from heaven. That's pretty big and amazing. And, and all this, this happens and the people have believed and, and now he's out there praying, God, bring the rain, right? God, bring the rain. Send the blessings. <laughs> Send the blessings our way. And he sends his servant out once, and he sends his out servant out twice, and nothing, nothing's out there. And, and he sends his servant out three, the third time, right? And, and his servant looks and comes back and says, I saw, as it were, way, way off in the distance a cloud. How big was it? About the size of a man's hand. Have you looked at clouds recently? Go, go out and just look. I was driving in this morning, looking at the clouds as I was driving. A gorgeous blue sky with just these fluffy white clouds. There was not a cloud in the sky that was the size of a man's hand. If there was, I don't know that I could have seen it. And yet his servant sees something so small way out in the distance, way, way, way out there in the distance, and Elijah says, that's it, it's coming. Because God moves in small ways. And when something small starts happening, you know God's about to do something big. When, When weakness is connected with God's strength, something amazing is about to happen. I love a good storm, don't you? You look off in the distance and you see the clouds rolling in and you know something, something special is about to happen. It's about to get loud. It's about to get bright. The lightning and the thunder is about to start happening, right? Elijah said, man, that, that small cloud off there in the distance is coming. Man, the blessings are on its way. Some have connected that with the second coming. That when Jesus comes the second time, The first sign of that coming will be way off in the distance, a little black cloud half the size of a man's hand, even smaller than than Elijah's rain cloud, rainstorm coming in. And we'll look off into the distance, and there will just be a speck of a cloud that you can hardly see, but it's a sign there's a little something big's about to happen. God is on the move. God is on the move, friends. He doesn't need you to have supernatural faith. He doesn't need you to grow your faith the size of sequoia trees. He doesn't need you to to have faith the size of the redwoods, right? He only needs you to have that speck of faith that connects with the almighty, all-powerful, loving God of the universe, and that's all it takes for God to be on the move in your life, because really, he's already on the move. He just needs us to see it and to recognize it, right? Man, next time you go out, when you go out this afternoon, I want you to start looking at the clouds, 
want you to start looking at the clouds. And when you see those clouds out there, think about a cloud as small as you can imagine. A cloud, just a speck. And realize, realize that, that your weakness, connecting with God's strength, is going to turn that into the most amazing storm this world's ever seen. The love of God will be revealed. God's power will be on the move because his power is revealed in our weakness. His strength is made perfect in our brokenness. We will see God coming through a speck in the sky. His, his coming, the excitement of his coming, his moving, his working in our lives, the excitement of seeing God at work in our lives is not tied to something great or something strong in you or in something me. All it is is that speck of faith the size of a mustard seed, laying hold of the strength of God, and God will be on the move. I want to invite you, as we sing this last song, as we sing this last song, let the weak say, I am strong. I want you to think of that a little differently. Not, I am strong, but that the strength of God moves in me. Let the poor say, I am rich. Not that I am rich, but that the richness of God is overflowing from heaven and flowing out from me to those around me. Let the lost say, I am saved because of the grace and the goodness of God Almighty. Let's sing together.